Hey everyone. All right. So thus far during this little podcast adventure, we've talked about shock in general, medications that help with shock in general, hypertensive shock, so to speak, and sepsis. So right now I'm going to talk about another form of distributive shock. So let's start with my glorious case presentation. A 54-year-old male calls EMS complaining of shortness of breath and dizziness. EMS arrives on scene to find the patient outside. He's noted to be somewhat pale, but splotchy in appearance. He's visibly dysmic, he's vomiting, and overall he appears unwell. All right, so your initial vital signs, he's got a blood pressure of 92 over 42, he's tachycardic at 122, he's got a respiratory rate of 28, and he's setting 84% on room air. He arrives to our department on a non-rebreather setting 95%, and he still looks unwell. All right. So first things first, as always, emergency medicine, ABCs. His airway appears intact. He's talking, but he's got three-word dyspnea. Breathing is clearly an issue, and he's audibly wheezing. And because I'm your doctor in the room, I demand a manual blood pressure. Sorry, not sorry. 86 over 38. And just a quick eyeball of the patient, we can all notice that he's covered in very obvious urticaria. So what is this, and what are we going to do? All right, so this is a classic presentation for anaphylactic shock. Anaphylaxis is an immediate, life-threatening, systemic hypersensitivity response to an antigen. It's a type 1 mediated hypersensitivity reaction. And what does that mean? That's a great question. I really don't know. It's an IgE-mediated response, meaning that mast cells, basophils, all these immune cells release IgE when they're triggered by an antigen. It causes the release of histamines, leukotrienes, prostaglandins, and a whole bunch of other inflammatory mediators. These cause vasodilation, increase vascular permeability, and cause bronchoconstriction, right? So they basically ruin everything. Typically, we think of anaphylaxis as a reaction that causes two-system involvement, or at least two-system involvement. I typically group this by five systems because I group basically everything by fives. But mainly we think about your cutaneous system, mucous membranes, respiratory, GI, and cardiovascular. All right. So what's the cutaneous response? Well, this can be as obvious and as classic as urticaria, right? It can be general flushing or erythema, or it can be simply pruritus that you may not even be able to see. It happens because of cutaneous vasodilation and some degree of increased vascular permeability. This is the most common symptom of hypersensitivity reactions and of anaphylaxis. So then I I then start to think about mucous membrane involvement, right, or angioedema. This can be swelling of the tongue, lips, throat, eyes. Patients may just present with voice changes, right, so phonation issues, sore throat, stridor. Again, this is due to vasodilation and increased vascular permeability in those areas. These people scare me, and they should scare you too, and we'll talk about why in a minute. Then there's respiratory compromise, right? Bronchoconstriction can cause wheezing and lead to increased respiratory compromise. That, coupled with increased vascular permeability, can cause some degree of pulmonary edema, which can exacerbate the respiratory failure and the hypoxia that's already going on. Same principles hold true in the GI tract, right? This can lead to profound, intractable, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, all that glorious stuff. And finally, if enough vasodilation occurs, this leads to a decrease of the systemic vascular resistance, which then causes distributive shock. And it can also... Uh, And also with the increased vascular permeability, that causes hypovolemia, which exacerbates shock, causes hypotension and general death. All right. 
So if a patient comes in with a history suggesting anaphylaxis and has two or more of the symptoms we just talked about, game on. We start anaphylaxis treatment. All right. So then what do we do? Again, there are five medications that we can give for anaphylaxis. And the first and most important answer is actually very simple. Epinephrine. This should be a knee-jerk response. Anaphylaxis, epinephrine. Epi causes bronchodilation, vasoconstriction, increases cardiac output. It's the only thing that has ever been proven to improve mortality. And the lack of epinephrine is the leading cause of death in anaphylaxis. All right. Epinephrine. All right. 0.0 milligrams per kilogram IM to the lateral thigh. It is always better to give epinephrine in the thigh. Okay. It gets more blood flow. It, it gets systemic faster if you give it in the thigh. We try to make this very simple, right? So rather than saying 0.01 mg per kg in adults, we just say 0.3 to 0.5. I'm going to use 0.3 because that's what comes in EpiPens. You can repeat that dose every five minutes. All right, so after you do your first dose of epi, this is where we can start on the other tenet of emergency medicine, right? So epinephrine, two large bore IVs and a cardiac monitor, right? That's when they need to get that aspect of the resuscitation done. Okay, it's important to point out several things when it comes to epinephrine. First is the concentration. There are two types of epinephrine. There's IM epinephrine that comes in a concentration of one to 1,000. This means that there's one milligram of epinephrine in one milliliter. This is anaphylactic epinephrine, okay? The other type of epinephrine is code epi, which is meant to be given IV. It comes in a concentration of one to 10,000, which means there's one milligram in 10 milliliters. The reason for this is simple. Concentrated epi, so one milligram per milliliter, is much easier to give IM, right? We give 0.3 milligrams of epi, so the volume we give is 0.3 milliliters into a muscle. Trying to do that same thing with the wrong epi. So if you do it with cardiac epi, you're injecting three milliliters of epi into the muscle and that hurts. Okay, so this the same hold true for IV epi. If we're in a code, we need to give one milligram of epi. Well, that's not gonna be super easy or effective if you're giving one milliliter of a medication. It's better to just give 10 mLs. It's easier to flush through an IV. So as a rule, never give a patient with a pulse an IV bolus of epinephrine, okay? A drip's okay, a little epi spritzer if you're just trying to use it as a post-intubation, you know, blood pressure support, that's okay. But a large bolus is a big no-no in a patient who's alive, all right? Okay, so we're going to give 0.3 milligrams of epinephrine into the lateral thigh. We can do this every five minutes for up to three doses. So quick math, boo. 0.3 milligrams is 300 micrograms. So every five minutes, that's 600 micrograms per, not 600, 60 micrograms per minute. See, I can't do quick basic math. All right, six, 60 micrograms per minute. That's actually quite a bit of epinephrine, like, the, like close to the max dose of an epidrip, right? If this doesn't work and the patient is still an extremis, it's epidrip time. I like me, my dirty epidrips. All right, so take a vial of whatever epi you choose, doesn't matter, one to 10,000, one to 1,000, it doesn't matter. They both have one milligram of epinephrine in them. You throw them into a bag, one liter bag of normal saline, or you can ask the pharmacist and they can get you their fancy bags, but you started at 0.01 microgram per kilogram per minute. So like around six, 
and you double it every few minutes until the patient is no longer circling the drain. So the moral of the story is anaphylaxis equals epinephrine, lots of epinephrine. Cool. Well, this isn't a medication. I'm going to digress down that critical care pathway for a minute before we talk about the other four medications of anaphylaxis. If a patient has signs of airway compromise, tube early. The upper airway involvement is the most frightening thing for most of us when it comes to anaphylaxis. If the patient has strider, tongue and lip swelling, phonation changes, give them a dose of epi and get ready to tube them. If you miss the early window to intubate, you may lose it completely. Now I'll talk more about intubation in another podcast coming up, but I think these patients are when we need to consider awake intubations. Patient will never stop breathing and it gives me a chance to take a look and see what I'm dealing with from like a swelling perspective before I paralyze them, lay them flat and kill them by accident. Okay, so instead of typical intubation, consider just giving a sedative without a paralytic. So the patient is still in an upright position as much as possible and that's a good idea. Most people will reach for ketamine because it causes bronchodilation and probably increases cardiac output. Both of these things are a very good thing. It does, however, make people salivate more, which may not be a good thing if they already have a tenuous airway. Atominate is another good option, and depending on their blood pressure to start, it may be what I would reach for personally. You also should have a crack kit on hand, and if it's possible, a second provider available to cut the neck if needed, because it's a possibility. All right, sidebar complete. Let's move on to other medications. So I said earlier, this is a histamine response. So naturally, blocking histamines would probably prove to be prudent. Well, kind of. Once the anaphylaxis cat is out of the bag, these don't do much. If given early, like before true anaphylaxis sets in, they may help to prevent from it starting. But once the patient really has anaphylaxis, they don't really do much of anything as far as improvement from a mortality standpoint. That being said, we all give them. There's two different types of histamine blockers. There's diphenhydramine or Benadryl, which is the most common H1 blocker that we give. 50 milligrams IV. Don't give PO medications in anaphylaxis. The same edema that's happening everywhere else is probably happening in the GI tract and they're gonna have decreased absorption and it's not gonna work. H2 blockers. So this is mainly ranitidine, which isn't currently available or famotidine or Pepsid, right? I give 40 milligrams of Pepsid IV. Again, it's never been proven to improve mortality in anaphylaxis, but it still can help, okay? And then there's steroids. This is another medication which was initially thought to probably decrease the inflammatory and immune response of hypersensitivity reactions. And we thought for a long time that it decreased the chance of a biphasic reaction, meaning that you know you have symptoms, they get better, and then they come back four hours to 24 hours, up to 48 hours later. But we're probably wrong, right? It probably doesn't do much of anything except make people feel all roid ragey, but we do it anyways. 125 milligrams of methylprednisolone. I don't give oral prednisone, it is an option, but for the same reason I mentioned earlier. I think steroids are probably more useful in those with a hypersensitivity reaction like isolated urticaria and not those that have full anaphylaxis, but I will give it in the event that it can help the immune response that may be present 24 hours later. And finally, give fluids, lots of fluids. These patients are hypovolemic due to vasodilation and third spacing from their increased vascular permeability they need enough volume to circulate to keep their pump filled to keep them alive. Okay, one final consideration in the medication treatment of anaphylaxis is what medication does the patient take on a regular basis? If the patient is on a beta blocker, consider adding glucagon. 
right? Epinephrine will probably not work as well or at all if there's a big fat beta blocker medication sitting on its desired receptor. So glucagon trips this same pathway, the same pathway that epinephrine trips, but it trips it further downstream. So it bypasses the, the beta receptor. It will have the same effects as epinephrine, right? It causes bronchodilation, vasoconstriction, increased cardiac output. You can give one to five milligrams every five minutes. And if it helps, you can put them on a drip. You can also start nebulizers. Albuterol will cause vaso, sorry, bronchodilation, decrease respiratory distress from those that have bronchoconstriction from this. Um, racemic epinephrine can also be used for those with upper airway edema. All right, so back to our case, our gentleman. He's arrived in our department. He gets his first dose of epinephrine, first and foremost, 0.3 milligrams in the lateral thigh. His blood pressure improves slightly up to about 92. Urticaria look a little bit better. We start him on albuterol. We give him a whole bolus of fluid, um, but he's still hypotensive and he still doesn't look that great. So rinse and repeat, 0.3 milligrams, I am epinephrine. At this point, I'm just going to make an epi drip because chances are if he needs two doses of IM epi, he's going to need it. After round two of epi, he looks a little better still, but he's still a bit tachypnic. His blood pressure's in the high 90s. He's still a little bit wheezy, but not quite as bad. It's epi drip time, right? You can also see this happen if you give someone epi. They look great, fantastic. You fixed them. You're wonderful. And 20 minutes later, the epi wears off and they get hypotensive and poopy looking again. General rule, if you fix them with one dose of epinephrine, load them up with adjunct meds, obs them for four hours, and if they're still okay at four hours, send them home with some medications and an EpiPen. If they need a second dose, either immediately or during their four-hour observation period, they need to be admitted. They've got a high rate of rebound, okay? And if they need more than two doses or they're on an epi drip, they go to the ICU. We watch almost everyone for four hours after their first epi dose because if they're going to rebound, the most common period for them to do that is that first four hours. If they make it to four hours, they're more likely to make it to that 24 to 48 hour mark. All right, recap. IgE mediated systemic response with two or more system involvement. Anaphylaxis equals epinephrine. 0.3 milligrams IM to the thigh. And more than one dose equals admission. Tube early for upper airway involvement. Give nebulizers, histamine blockers, steroids, and they probably don't help much compared to epi. So give epi. Okay. Thanks for tuning in.